So Philippians chapter 3, 1 to 11. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have more confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Well, New Year's is almost upon us. I don't know how you're feeling about uh, the end of 2020 and looking forward to 2021. Um, some of us, I know, are quite excited about the prospect of 2020 finishing. Uh, I'm not, personally, I'm not a big one for New Year's Eve. I'm, you know, the getting together, celebrating. You might be surprised to learn I'm not a big party person. I'll probably be in bed. My goal for New Year's is usually to be in bed by 10 o'clock, so I'm asleep before everybody else does their countdowns at midnight. Um, and I don't make New Year's resolutions. I've never really done that. Uh, we weren't a family who were into doing that sort of thing. Um, but I found myself this year, as we get to the end of 2020, reflecting on the year that's been. Uh, and not just in terms of what's happened, uh, but I can see that I've learnt things this year as I think back about the year that's gone. So this year I learnt how to use Zoom. Um, I don't know if you've done that this year, uh, but I learnt how to use it. I learnt how to use the mute button, which has made me technologically more advanced than quite a few members of my staff team who still have to learn how to use the mute button. I learnt that why I've never bothered to learn Zoom previously in my life. I just can't stand the thing. Uh, but something was better than nothing. Uh, during COVID lockdown, I learned that I actually enjoyed jigsaw puzzles, um, although I never finished one. Um, there were always pieces missing at the end. I blame my dog, she likes eating jigsaw puzzles. Um, I learned how to flick through Netflix more efficiently as I lay on the lounge. Um, I learned I can strain a back muscle getting off the lounge to go to the fridge. I look back, and I don't think I've necessarily learnt incredible things. Like one of my children has learnt how to do ballet during the course of COVID, and so I think reflecting on that, I've realised again that I'm not that impressive. Um, I just feel old. That's really what I feel at the end of 2020. Uh, I've learnt that I don't like change. I don't like stress. I learnt that uh, I don't like that feeling that I'm not in control. I learned that I love being around my family uh, and I appreciate my friends. 
what for you? What, what have you learnt this year in 2020? What have you learnt about yourself this year in 2020? Because I think one of the things that COVID has done for us is as we've been prevented from doing things and as we've been forced to do other things, I think what it's done for us is expose the things that we miss in life, the things that we value in life, the things that are important to us in life. That, I think that's one of the things that 2020 has uh, impressed on me, is what is it that's really important to me? Because as we turn to this passage before us, Philippians chapter 3, what we're going to see is as we think about all the things that we value in life, God is going to highlight the one thing that really matters in life. He's going to highlight the one thing uh, that we need to learn in life. The one thing that we need to have learned from this year, the one thing that we need to learn in 2021. And it's really, a, in some ways, quite a simple thing that he wants us to learn. He wants us to learn Jesus, to know that Jesus is what truly matters in life. So you see there in verse uh, 8, uh, this is what Paul says to us. He says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. So here Paul says to us, here's what really matters in life, knowing Jesus as my Lord. That's what matters. It's, in some ways, I could finish now. We go away and you go, okay, what was today, today church about today? This is what it was about, Jesus, which is what you'd expect when you turn up to church. Of course, it's going to be about knowing Jesus is what matters in life. That's what Paul says. In fact, it's more important than anything else in life. It's the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord. It's the incomparable worth of knowing Jesus as Lord. He's more important than anything else. He's, so Jesus here is saying, Jesus is God's King. It's, he's the Christ. He's the Lord, the Lord of the universe. He's the one who controls all of creation. He's the one who has authority over every single creature in the universe. And what Paul says is that we can know this Lord. We can know this King. We can know him as my Lord. So Paul is pushing it. He's saying it's not just that we can know about Jesus. He's not just saying that we can know this King from a distance. He's saying that we can know the King of the universe up close and personal. Where that He's my Lord, where I know him and he knows me as my Lord. Uh, let, me, let me give you a feel for it. Uh, did you know, I know Steve War. Right? I know him. Uh, Steve War, if you don't know who he is, uh, shame on you. No, so, former captain of the Australian cricket team, which means that in, at the time he was the most important person in Australia. Right? And one week he came to my church uh, and I welcomed him and his wife and his family at the door like I welcomed everybody else at the door and I shook hands with him and I spoke to him and I spoke to his wife and then he took his daughter... And he took her into what the cry room, that room for babies where your baby can cry and nobody else gets disturbed. And, um, but the service gets projected in, the sound of the service gets projected into that room through a microphone. Uh, and I was leading the singing that day. And the mag team is shaking their heads in bewilderment if they've heard me sing. Now, and so he had the pleasure of hearing me sing him a solo. That's effectively what it was. Um, now, I suspect that 25 years down the track, he does not remember me at all. I certainly pray he's forgotten my singing, right? But 
I know him. I've met him. Uh, I know him vaguely from a distance, don't I? I know the Lord of the universe personally and intimately. Out of all the countless creatures in the universe, I know him as my Lord. And you can know him as your Lord, where he knows you, where he knows your name, where he counts you as, your, as his friend. That's what Paul is saying. Here's the amazing privilege that we enjoy, that we know Jesus Christ as my Lord. And he says that surpasses everything else in life. And so Paul, he says, Paul recounts how he'd been born in the right family. He tells us about how he'd achieved great status in life. He'd earned people's respect and favour in life. But when he met Jesus, he says, he happily counts all of this a loss in comparison to the all-surpassing worth of knowing Jesus as his Lord. So he's not just saying that Jesus is good and wise, is he? He's not just saying that knowing Jesus is better than lots of things in life. He's saying that Jesus is the most important thing in his life. It surpasses everything in life. It's like discovering this matchless treasure chest full, buried in a field which is overflowing with priceless jewels and gold coins and he says it's worth selling everything to buy that field and get that treasure chest and enjoy that treasure. Knowing Jesus is worth selling, selling, giving up everything in life in order to have Jesus and enjoy him as your Lord. And so Paul willingly sacrifices his dreams and his ambitions and embraces social shame and rejection in life and experiences instability and insecurity and suffering. His whole life is turned upside down and he says it's worth it because Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth more than all the rewards and laurels this world has to offer and he delights in knowing Jesus as his Lord. And in particular, he gives us two reasons why we would want to know Jesus as our Lord. Two reasons why Jesus is, knowing Jesus is all-surpassing. He says, firstly, look at what Jesus has done for us. Look at what this Lord has done for us. There in verse 8, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says that because of what Christ has done, he now has been given this righteousness from God. Paul, who had been self-righteous, Paul who had tried to gain, get on God's good side by doing things for God, by keeping the law and trying to be righteous himself, this Paul, when he comes face to face with Jesus, realises that Jesus is righteous and he was not. This Paul, when he comes face to face with Jesus, realises that he has failed to love God and to love others as he should, just like all of us have failed to love God and to love others as we should. And we all deserve hell for that. But when Paul meets Jesus, he realises that Jesus is perfectly righteous, that Jesus has always loved God and always obeyed him 
every single day for eternity, that he has always loved others and he deserves heaven. And this Jesus, the Lord of the universe, willingly trades places with us. He swaps his righteousness for our unrighteousness. The Jesus who knew no sin becomes sin so we might be given the righteousness of God. Gives up his perfect standing with God. He takes on our sin, he swaps his life for our death. And he goes to the cross and is punished for what we did. The righteous one dies in the place of the unrighteous. The righteous one dies to pay for our sin, to deal with our guilt, to deal with our shame, and he brings us forgiveness and righteousness instead. God gives us righteousness because of Jesus. That's what Paul's saying there in verse 9. That Jesus becomes what he is not so that we can become what we are not. We can become righteous in God's eyes. That because of Jesus, Paul's saying because of Jesus, when you come to know Jesus and what he has done for you, you are no longer excluded and guilty and condemned in God's eyes. When you come to know Jesus and what he has done for you, you are included and guiltless and forgiven before God, where God looks at you and delights in you as his righteous child. where you have a new identity and a new status with God because of what Jesus has done. Now, when you reflect on that, don't you want to know Jesus? Don't you want to know Jesus the Lord who didn't rule for his own good and advantage? Don't you want to know Jesus the Lord who sacrifices his own interests for our sake, who died for you so that you can be given righteousness? Isn't that a king worth knowing? That's Paul's point. When you look at what Jesus has done for you, isn't he worth knowing? Isn't he worth serving? That doesn't matter how you've treated Jesus, doesn't matter how you've treated God, the Father, he delights in you. He dies for you. He gives his life for you so that God will give you righteousness instead. And he does that simply because he is righteous and loves you. But secondly, Paul says, as we look at what Jesus has done, he says, look at what Jesus is doing in us now. So verse 10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. See, Paul says he wants to know Jesus, and here he says, in particular, I want to know the work of Jesus in my life. I want to know Jesus' power, and I want to know Jesus' sufferings. He puts power and suffering together here, doesn't he? Now, that's a, don't you think that's a weird combination? That I would want to know Jesus' power? Well, of course I want to know Jesus' power. I want to know, and I want to know suffering? Why would I want no suffering? I want power, not suffering. That is a strange combination to put together, isn't it? Paul puts here. It's a bit like, it's a bit like Canadian pancakes, don't you think? Like, 
I don't know if you know what Canadian pancakes are. They're pancakes with maple syrup on them and bacon. That's a weird combination, isn't it? You put bacon and maple syrup together. Uh, you, salty, savoury bacon goodness and sweet, sugary maple syrup. I, I still remember the first time I saw that combination at a cafe on the menu. And I thought, that is ridiculous. Who would ever eat that? Canadians, they're a weird bunch, all right? Fair enough, okay. Why would you ever do that? But a few weeks later, I was having pancakes at home. That was one of the things that we, uh, we do as a family. And, um, and then I thought, why not? Why not live on the wild side? No. Which will tell you something about how boring I am as a person, won't it? But I think that. So I put bacon on top of my pancakes and then I grabbed the maple syrup, the real maple syrup, not that uh, fake maple syrup that you can get, and I poured it all over my pancakes and my bacon. And do you know what? It's actually good, like seriously good, as a, uh, a breakfast. You should try it if you've never tried it. The Canadians, for all their weirdness, are under something here. Um, they w it works as a combination. That's what Paul's saying. You've got this weird combination that we would never put together. We would never put power and suffering together, but it works as a combination in God's eyes. Now, why is that? Why does God think, put power and suffering together for us and say, this is something that we should want to know. We should want to know the work of Jesus in our life as we know his suffering and as we know his power. Well, I think, firstly, we want to, as we participate in Christ's suffering, the word participate, that's a word fellowship, that we would fellowship with Jesus. We'd experience fellowship with Jesus, as Paul's saying. And it's, he's saying we've experienced fellowship in his sufferings. We suffer with him. Right? Uh, now, it's important, isn't it, to remember that Jesus, the Jesus who died for us, he didn't walk that easy road here as he walked around here on earth. He didn't walk an easy road of comfort and riches and victory, did he? That wasn't his life experience. He walked a road that took him to the cross as he died for us. He, he walked a road that was marked by suffering and heartache and rejection before he was exalted to his Father's right hand, before he uh, took, uh, came to experience power and authority from his Father. And as we follow Jesus, we're commanded to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him, follow him on that same path of suffering before we experience glory with him in heaven. We share in his sufferings with him because he is the Lord who suffered for us. Now, as we follow him on this path, I can think of this, at least three ways that we will share in his sufferings. Firstly, we'll suffer like him, won't we? Uh, we will suffer because we're human, like he was when he walked this earth. And he experienced hunger and tiredness and homelessness. He suffered emotionally as he was overwhelmed by people. As he, uh, as he was abandoned by his friends, he suffered death and grief. He endured temptation. And all of us can resonate with that, can't we, with those types of sufferings. We suffer like him. Secondly, we will suffer because of Christ. That as we follow Jesus, as we faithfully stand with Jesus, when we speak of Jesus, when we're unashamed of his words and the things that he says and when we seek to obey his word, what will happen? We'll experience 
persecution and ridicule and being ostracised and slandered by our, our workmates and friends, we will suffer simply because we stand with Jesus and are loyal to him in the face of pressure from the world. And finally, another way we'll suffer is as we suffer for Christ, we, as we sacrifice ourselves in his service, as we sacrifice our desires and ambitions in order to advance his purposes, to, as we give of ourselves, as we give of our time and our energy and our money, as we seek to love others as he wants. Now, there are all different ways that we might suffer with Christ. And we won't necessarily suffer all of these all the time, but what God's saying is as we follow Jesus, we can't avoid suffering. As we follow the Jesus who suffered and died for us, we will suffer too. Now that's true, isn't it? That's been our experience this year. That it's been a year where we've suffered. Now, it could be a whole, whole bunch of different ways that we've done it, isn't it? I, mean, I reflect on this year, I feel like I've run a marathon. Although I've never run a marathon, so I'm just guessing at that point. But that's what it feels like. It's been a hard year, a stressful year. Some of us are exhausted caring for our families. Some of us have lost our jobs. Some lived in fear of getting sick or um, making, passing on COVID to somebody else. Been stuck home alone. Which for some of us, I suspect the introverts, it was, initially it was great, wasn't it? And then it's just worn thin after a while. Perhaps this has been a year where people have forgot about us and stop calling us. Maybe it's been a year of despair and grief for you. Battling temptation, battling anger. But we've suffered like Christ this year, haven't we? Just by being human in a world of COVID. And as we seek sought to serve Jesus this year, it's also been a year that's been, in one level, discouraging and hard at times, hasn't it? So I don't know if you remember right back to the beginning of the year, but WAVE, we had this thing called WAVE at the beginning of the year. We had record numbers come to WAVE this year. Record numbers of kids who hadn't, weren't going to church come along to WAVE and hear about Jesus for the first time. Record numbers. We had record numbers of people coming to church this year before COVID hit. We had people jumping into church with us. We had our ministries were overflowing with people and they were growing and it was exciting and then COVID hit and people stopped coming, like literally, but our visitor numbers just dried up. Growth groups became so much harder, didn't they, as we had to try and learn Zoom and connect with each other over Zoom, which was just exhausting. We haven't been able to sing together. We haven't, all these things, as we've sought to serve Jesus, it's just been a year where it's been hard. It's been a year, hasn't it, where, we've, where as we read this, what Paul's here, Paul says here about participating in the sufferings of Jesus, I think we've felt that this year, haven't we, in a bunch of different ways. But what God says the result has been, as things have been stripped away, we've come to know Jesus more deeply as a result. We've been drawn more closely to Jesus as a result. We understand better what Jesus has endured for us on the cross. 
and we've learned from experience to trust Jesus this year, to hold on to him more tightly and trust that he is good and he wants the best for us in the midst of all this hardship. And as we've learned what it means to suffer with Jesus, Paul says in verse 10 that we've also come to know the power of his resurrection. That the creator God breathed life into the dead body of Jesus and he walked out of the tomb. That same God, Paul says, uses that same life-giving power to work in us in the midst of our weakness and suffering. To work powerfully in us in the midst of our weakness and suffering. That this has been a year where we've come to know the power of Jesus, to taste the power of Jesus in our lives. That's true also, isn't it, as we reflect on 2020? As we've been wrenched out of our comfort zone this year, as we've had to endure stress and change and uncertainty, what has sustained us through that? What has enabled us to endure through that? Well, perhaps a better question is, who has sustained us through that? Who has comforted us this year? Who has empowered us this year to look forward with hope while others in us, around us are giving in to despair? Who has enabled us to cling more tightly to Jesus? Who has enabled us to rejoice in his goodness despite our circumstances? Who has enabled us to love others and be loved by others and to persevere this year? Our Lord God. That's what Paul is saying. Our almighty God who raises the dead, he has worked in us and we've experienced his hand upon our lives this year. Now, we, of course, we knew that before this year, didn't we? If we were Christians before this year, we read this verse and go, yeah, I know Jesus is at work in my life. I just think this year we're just more aware of it, aren't we? more conscious of the truth of this word that we've experienced God's power at work in our lives. And it's not just that we've experienced God's power at work in our lives as he sustains us and changes us. We've also seen him work through us as he's he's gone about achieving his purposes. So I don't know about you, but this year, as I, uh, one of the things I've done is I've been really conscious of my own weakness as I sought to serve Jesus. All our systems, all our structures around church, all thrown into chaos this year. Uh, church has been stripped back to the very bones as we've gone online. And one of the things that do- has done, I re- as I reflected, is God took away all the things that I think people find impressive about our church. So our visitors... As people have hooked up with us online, they haven't been able to see, coming along and experience our kids' ministry. And that's one of the things people love about our church. They haven't been able to come and experience our music on a Sunday and sing together. That's one of the things people love about our church. They haven't been able to come along and, and so that we can love them face-to-face and welcome them and chat with them and get to know them and, and show them hospitality. We haven't been able to do any of that because of COVID. And as I've sought to serve Jesus this year... I've been so conscious of my helplessness that we can't do any of that and what can I do to build God's kingdom because I just can't do the things that we've done in the past. And yet in all of my helplessness, 
what I've seen is God work powerfully this year. So we've been able to broadcast online to the world, not just to Newcastle this year. And so people around the world, people from the US, people from Tonga, people from Japan, people from England, even people from New Zealand have been able to hear about Jesus through us this year. We've been able to benefit kids around country New South Wales as we've gone online. We've seen God bring people to faith this year, as many people to faith this year as he did last year. as we've, um, we've talked about, that I put life up online. We've seen more people join church this year than we did last year. Just reflect on that for a moment. In the midst of us being able to do, do nothing in terms of welcoming people into our church, more people joined us this year than they did last year. That's the work of God. And we've had the privilege of participating with God in this work. In all of our helplessness, in all of our weakness, we see people come to know Jesus and join us in living for Jesus. And we played a part in that. So as I look around, I can see um, person after person who played a part in someone else's story of coming to know Jesus this year, coming to join us in living for Jesus this year, growing their knowledge of Jesus this year, persevering as a Christian this year. I see people who played a part in that story of someone growing in their faith and knowledge of Jesus. I see the person who welcomed a lady to church one week and then she filled out a card and was contemplating coming back to church in a few weeks' time and then another lady rang her to welcome her to church, invited her back, sat with her, loved her and then she went to life and someone else told her the gospel of Jesus and then she came to trust Jesus and then she went to Christianity Explored to find out more about Jesus and she has joined us, each of these people playing a different part, their own small part, in God's story of bringing that lady into his kingdom. I see the girl who walked into church and was overwhelmed by the size of the crowd and yet different people, one after another, walked up to her and welcomed her to church and spoke with her and included her and now she's out serving on the kids' team, although not this week because she's gone home. There's the couple who joined a small group for the first time because they were invited by somebody. And different people in that group have talked about the deep things of the gospel with them and they've relished those conversations about Jesus and come to understand the basics of Christianity for the very first time, simply because of the different parts that people in their group played in talking with them about Jesus. I see, I see people who've, been welcomed, who've welcomed others into their homes, encouraged someone over Zoom, uh, phoned someone, invited someone to go for a walk or for a coffee, prayed for someone, read the Bible with someone, each of us playing our own part. And we might feel it small and we might have felt tired and isolated at the time. We might have felt helpless and able to, unable to do much. And yet Jesus worked. He worked through us to bring about his plans and his purposes for that person. He worked powerfully through us to build his kingdom. This has been a year where we've come to know what it means that Jesus suffered. It's been a year where we've come to know what it means that God uses his resurrection power in the life of his people. 
And so as we look forward to 2021, and I think we're excited about the prospect of 2021, although I'm feeling a little bit tentative because, you know, is it, is it going to be better? Well, I hope it is. You know, that's, that's my personality. Some of us are gung-ho about 2021. Now, there's the hopes of a vaccine. Uh, there's hopes of the restrictions ending, and we've had a little bit of a taste of that as we come to the end of the year. There's hopes of life returning to normal. of being able to once again enjoy our freedom and to catch up on the things we've missed this year, uh, to catch up on the footy, the going to concerts, going travelling, seeing family and friends, doing all the things that we enjoy. That's the hope, isn't it? That we'll be able to do those things again. And that's all great. And I really hope that's, what's, that's what happens. I'm praying for that. As long as we learn the lesson from this year, the lesson that God wants us to learn. What truly matters? The all-surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Knowing his goodness and his kindness and his compassion. Knowing we enjoy God's forgiveness because of Jesus' death for us enjoying our new identity and status because of what Jesus has done for us, learning to trust Jesus as my Lord as he works in me and through me, as he sustains me and strengthens me and transforms me for the better. That's the lesson God wants us to learn, the all-surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. And as we reflect on that, what could be better than knowing Jesus as my Lord? Isn't that what you want for yourself? To know him better, to know him more deeply and profoundly. It is, isn't it? And so in 2021, let's make it our aim to know him, to crave knowing him, to invest our time and our money and our energy and relationships in knowing him better. Because God says that's what matters, truly matters. So what's that going to look like? Well, it could mean different things for different people, as I reflected on this. It might be for you that you decide he does matter. That uh, for some of us, we haven't actually worked out who Jesus is. We don't know if he's my Lord. We don't know him in that way. And so make 2021 the year to get a hand on who he is, to explore his claims, to get answers to your questions and work out if Jesus really is Lord. And should be your Lord. It could be for you that you need to decide that he does matter. That you say he does, you say Jesus is your Lord. It's just not been a year where you've been living it out. Where you don't treat him, treat knowing him as being more valuable than other things. And you just try to fit him in around your own dreams and passions. So in 2021, why are you commit to investing time in reading the scriptures for yourself regularly and to commit to gathering regularly with Jesus' people so you can be encouraged to know Jesus and live for Jesus as he wants you to. It could be that 2021 is the year you decide that Jesus is not just your Lord, it matters that he is the Lord of others and you want to play a part in someone else coming to know Jesus as their Lord. 
and joining us as a church in living for Jesus as their Lord. Small part, some part, but that's what you want to do in 2021. Why don't you make that your goal for 2021? And the final thing that we can do is pray, isn't it? We can pray that we will know Jesus better. As we read his word, we can pray that God will show us again how wonderful Jesus is and that we will know him more deeply. We'll understand his work on the cross more profoundly. We'll taste the power of his work in our lives more strongly. So we love him, we appreciate him, we value him more. We cling to him more tightly. We love him more wholeheartedly. These are the things that we want, aren't they? So why don't we pray that God will do that for us? Let's pray. Our Lord and Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he died for us, the righteous for the unrighteous. Father, we thank you for that you have given us righteousness instead of condemnation because of what Jesus did. Father, we pray that you'll keep teaching us to know him, to know him more deeply and profoundly, to appreciate his love and his kindness more, more deeply, to cling to him. Father, we pray that as we read the truths of the scriptures, that you may impress them on our hearts and our minds, that we will know what it is to suffer with him and we'll know uh, your power in our lives as a result. Father, we pray that we will be a people who value Jesus the way he should be valued, as our Lord, as the Lord of the universe. In Jesus' precious name we ask. Amen.